So this night, I just wanted to say I am so um, excited to share with you what's on my heart. Um, someone had just recently mentioned to me, I was giving them my testimony. It was a pastor. And they said after they, they were having a, uh, they were telling me about a friend, a pastor friend that was having some major struggles in a certain area physically. And as they began to talk, I'm like, I recognize that struggle. And it, uh, to them, it was a big deal. And it is a big deal. But I actually was able to sit with that pastor and go, this is what's happening here and um, told them a little bit of my testimony, and she's like, you need to put that, you need to record that. And I told my testimony quite a few years ago in this church at a women's meeting, and, um, but nobody was here to record it, so it's not out there. So tonight, hopefully, it will be recorded and recorded well, and, but I'm gonna intertwine it in with fear and worry, because that is a part of my testimony. And in these times that we're in right now, there's a lot of things that people are afraid of. They're afraid of what's happening in government. They're afraid of what's happening around them. They're afraid of this not going to happen for them and that not gonna happen for them. And they're afraid of a lot of unknowns that are a little scary out there. But so I think it's very timely for me to talk about this. I'm going to read a couple of scriptures because the word, Jesus said, my words are always spirit in their life. Every time I read a scripture to you or you read a scripture, you hear somebody quote a scripture, it infuses life into you, not only into your spirit, but into your body, into your mind. And everything that Jesus says brings life to you. Never death, never fear. So this evening, I want to hone in on my testimony, but I'm going to weave fear and worry in through that so I can get my testimony out there. And if you ever have someone that you come in contact with that you're like, you know what, you need to hear this, maybe it will help somebody. Amen? Yeah. So everybody has a story, right? And so I have a story, and I'm going to tell it tonight. So I'm going to get a little detailed, hopefully not too detailed, but I want to get down there where you guys are. I don't want to be so general in my testimony that I'm leaving you wondering about this and that. I'm going to get a little detailed and hopefully, you know, you'll be okay with it. It won't be bad. It'll just, it'll make all the pieces flow together. Amen. So I'm going to go to Psalm 25. So we're going to read a few scriptures and um, I always love starting off with reading some scriptures. Amen. So Psalm 25 because we're talking about fear and worry. So let's read a definition of fear first. Fear is an unpleasant emotion caused by the belief that someone or something is dangerous and poses a pain or a potential threat to you. Am I right? Yeah. So any fear that you may have, and there's all these kind of fears out there. There's claustrophobia and neophobia and triophobia and sukabophia, and it's all fears of whatever, right? And so I made some of that up. But the thing is, is that fear is truly, it's an unpleasant emotion. It's an emotion first caused by a belief that someone or something is dangerous, likely to cause you pain or to threaten you. Now, there could be something or someone out there that is dangerous and that could threaten you, but guess what? You don't have to be afraid of it. Amen? Sometimes the fear is worse than the actual threat. So always remember that the fear does more damage to you than the actual threat out there. Amen? One of the, one of the men um, years ago in the 
he was in Vietnam, I think he was in Vietnam, and he was captured uh, by the Viet Cong, you know, and they just tortured him. It was, it was a U.S. It was a U.S. guy. And they just, years and years ago, he tortured, tortured, tortured. They were tortured, tortured. He didn't die, but he said, you know what? One thing I don't have to give them is my decision or my choice to be happy. They may take a lot of things from me, and they took a lot of things from him, but they didn't take his will from him to be, to choose what he thought about. So he thought about getting out, and he thought about playing golf, and he thought about good things, and he finally got out. So let's read something that's very good. Psalm 25. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall he teach in the very way, in the way he chooses. So when we talk about fear here, we're talking about honor and respect. Now, I fear God, not just, oh, I honor you, God, I respect you. That kind of fear goes a little bit deeper than just, I honor you and I respect you. God said, Jesus said, don't fear man who can kill the body, but fear God who not only can kill the body, but can send the soul into hell. Now, it's not that God sends the soul into hell. You're the one that makes the choice to go to hell. It wasn't, he said it wasn't created for y'all. It was created for the devil and his angels. But he said, don't fear a man that can just kill your body because your soul goes straight to heaven. You know, your spirit goes straight to heaven. And, and, And that's great. But he said in here, he said, who is the man that actually fears the Lord? If you'll fear the Lord, you won't have fear of man. Fear the Lord. He's inevitably, he's the great God. He's the judge of the whole earth. He is the justice. He is the supreme. You know, I was really perturbed the other day when I was like, man, the highest courts of the land. I said to to myself, I said, I was speaking to myself, the highest courts of the land will will not do what's right. Will not do what's right. I mean, they're all cowards. Mm -hmm. And the Lord said, they're not the highest court. He said, I'm the highest court. So you just hold on, right? Amen. We just give it to God. Praise the Lord. My husband read a scripture today out of Proverbs 29, 16. I'm not making you go there, Shantae, but it says that when when the wicked flourish, you know, sin abounds, but it says the righteous will live to see the downfall of the wicked. Wow. Amen. So that was a good scripture. So I'm going to read this to you. Who is the man that fears the Lord? Him shall God, he, teach in the way he chooses. He himself shall dwell in prosperity, and his descendants shall inherit the earth. The secret of the Lord is with those who fear him, and he will show them his covenant. He says, who is he that fears the Lord? He will teach him his ways and the secret of the Lord will be with those that fear him and he'll show you all his covenant. Amen. Amen. So who do we need to fear? We need to fear the Lord. Amen. So then go to Psalm 27. The Lord is my light. Verse one, the Lord is my light. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I fear? Shall I fear the government? Shall I fear the CCP? (laughs) Shall I fear the WHO? Shall I fear COVID-19? Whom shall I fear? It's asking you, whom or what shall you be afraid of? Because the Lord is my light and my salvation. Amen? 
The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Amen? Amen. So he said, the, the, all these things come against me, enemies, blah, 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 war rise up against me, and this I will be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble, he shall hide me in his pavilion, in the secret place of his tabernacle, which is his presence. In the secret place of his presence, he shall hide me and he'll set me high upon a rock. I'm telling you what, if you get up every morning and read Psalm 27, 1, you will not be afraid. Amen. Amen. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. So, if you go to Psalm 34, no, I'm sorry, 37. Let's go to Psalm 37, and this is kind of where it's going to be the beginning of my testimony here. So we're going to go 37.1. I will bless, whoop, that was 34. I will bless the Lord at all times. That's a good scripture, but let's go over. Do not fret because of evildoers. Do not fret. Because of evildoers, nor be envious of the workers of iniquity, for they shall soon be cut down like the grass, and they shall wither as the green herb. Right? Verse 7, rest in the Lord, wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in the way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger. Cease from anger. We all could get a dose of that. Cease from anger and forsake wrath. Amen? Do not fret. It only causes harm. When you fret, when you worry, this is not just a little piece of a Bible verse that means nothing. This is a verse that came alive off the page to me when, when what happened to me was like he directed me to that verse. He said, do not fret. It only causes harm. And that's not just harm to your soul. You're meant to, it's harm to your body. It's harm to everything. So I will start off with my testimony. And I'll start off here where I'm talking about there was a, a time in my life. How many of you have ever worried about something before? I think we all can raise our hand. But how many of you worried about something so much that it never really let up? Because it was a constant, constant, constant. And there's a lot of changing that didn't happen over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. How many of you have experienced the death of a loved one? Mm -hmm. You know, I, I have, and I'm sure many of you in here probably have. How many of you, you don't have to raise your hand. How many of you have experienced trauma? You know, you don't have to raise your hands. But, but the, the thing is, is that the Bible says don't fret. It only causes harm. So the, the definition for worry is to give way to anxiety or unease to allow one's mind to constantly dwell on difficulty and troubles. It's always there. It's always there. You're always going back to it. You may have a little bit of relief, but you're always going back to it. It's always dogging you. It's always tracking you. And you just can't shake it because things aren't changing or, or this, that, or the other. So I'm going to tell you my story. It's not yours, but I'm going to tell you what happened to me. And um, I'm going to protect the names of the guilty and the innocent. <laughs> Amen. Amen. You have to do that when you're telling testimony. But there was a person in my life that I was close to, and um, very close to, and for eight to ten years, all they wanted to do was just kill themselves. 
kill themselves, commit suicide. Say, they say things about themselves. And I was always trying to talk them out of it, basically. And really, I was the only one out of everyone that they really would confide in. You know, I felt like I never was making any headway. But I'm talking eight to 10 years. So when you have that constantly, like you are the one to save them. You are the one to bring them reprieve. You're the one to try to talk them out of this. It gets overbearing sometimes because you feel like if you don't say it just right or you don't intervene at a certain time and just all these decisions, and it wasn't sometimes they were making bad decisions and it would just make it worse. So this began to weigh on me. The, uh, that's a prolonged stress. Does everybody understand that? It wouldn't let up. It would ease and then it come back. And it eased and come back just on and on and on and on. And finally, to, to where I started having dreams of this person and me being in a funeral home and me walking by the coffin and this person was here. This person was very dear to me. And they were, they were a lot younger than me. It was just someone I was trying to help. And, and all of a sudden, I saw them, them in a coffin and me coming up and I was just like waking up with just sweating, just nightmares one after another. And every night they're in a coffin, <laughs> you know. But I say that because there are times in your life that you really have to get a hold of stuff that keeps dogging you, yeah. keeps dogging you. Mm -hmm. And I didn't get a hold of it. I thought I had a handle on it, and then it would happen again, and it would happen again. I'm like, i got to save this person. It's like it was all up to me. And then I had other stresses come on top of that. I'm a hard worker. I am one of those workers that just, just I, I overwork because I'm just an overachiever probably. As part of that's just my personality. So I work hard. I work long hours. I just keep working and working and working until it's done, even if it's way into the night. And that's not a good quality. It's a good quality to be a hard worker, but you need to know when to shut it down and rest, right? And my husband has helped me with this. Like, 5 o'clock, let's go. <laughs> Drag me out of the office. We're going out to eat, you know, or whatever. So those, those are things that's a part of my personality, where I work, 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 work. But I had this always running around with this person, and I couldn't seem to get the victory on it. Then, then we made a bad move, and he's talked about the move out to the forest. You know, that was an Ishmael. <laughs> I was trying to make it in Isaac, and it's something that I did, so I felt bad about doing that and not listening to my husband, and my husband wasn't happy. I mean, he wasn't happy for a really long time while we were out there. You know, it's like the tide. The tide rolls in, the tide rolls out. He's, he's like, I'm sorry, I shouldn't be like that, and he's like, he's mad again, you know. What? Because he beat himself. He beat himself because he felt like he missed God. And so therefore that flew over onto me because you convinced me to make the wrong decision. So, and it's not to knock him. He, I didn't realize he was going through so much turmoil himself. So while we were out there and while I'm going through this thing with helping this person not commit suicide and we're in a place here, now my husband's not really happy with me and then all of a sudden, Justin's car blows up, Josh's car blows up, and then, let's see, we had a log cabin, and they didn't chink it right, so there was a hurricane by the name of Faye, who just stood in one place for like one whole week, and she just went round and round, and all the, the rain went sideways, and all of it just came right into my brand new house, brand new walls, brand new shell, you know, shellac and polyurethane, and all the rain just came and hit us in our house, and just wrecked my walls. 
It was awful. And then my washing machine blew up. It was upstairs, beautiful wood floor. It blew up while we were gone and out of town. And it just, I mean, we were like, came back that night, but it flooded the house and it ruined the wood floors for a second time. You know, it was just like one thing after another, after another, after another, until I, and then to top it off, I, I'm telling you the story because somewhere down the line, someone's going to relate. And then to top it off, our church went through a major split. A major split. Right in the middle of all that. And, and, and a third of the church just walked out the door. All, all because, mainly, because we had to reprimand a team leader for being immoral. You can't do this if you call yourself a leader. We reprimand him once, we reprimand him twice. And three times, he kept doing it. And we had, to, we had to let him go. We have to protect the children, we have to protect the youth, we have to protect our congregation, and we had to let him go. You know, we have to make decisions. And so while everybody's mad, because everybody loves, we love. We love. We want people to do the right thing. We pray and we help and we counsel. But in the end, they make a choice. And we have to protect. And people get mad. And people get ugly. People get their feelings hurt. And we can't stand up in a pulpit and go, so-and-so was going out to the movies with someone who wasn't his wife. Right? Or something like that. You know? Something little like that. Or whatever. You know? And so... Different other situations, other situations down the road. So-and-so is stealing something. So-and-so is, you know, da-da-da-da-da. We have to deal with this yeah. in our own organization. Right, right. And so that's not acceptable. Mm-hmm. Once, twice, three times you're out. Yeah. Right? And probably should have been out once. But all, all I'm saying is this. Things happen. And that happened years ago. But it was all during that time. Yeah. And everybody's mad because they don't understand why so-and-so was let go, and we can't stand up in the pulpit at that time and defend ourselves. And everyone's upset at us now. And everyone leaves, or half the people leave. And now we go from, you know, X amount of dollars a week to X amount of dollars a week. And now we're fighting for our lives. So if you compound one after another, your, your, your house is blowing up, your husband's mad because <laughs> you moved him out of somewhere in the forest, and then, you know, your church is split, and then you're trying to save someone from committing suicide for eight years, you finally break. Yeah. You break. I was physically healthy, but here's where it started for me. I was sitting in a football game, and my baby was playing football. Jordan, he was, he was 17 years old. For the first time, he's playing Mount Dora football. And I'm sitting in a stand. I'm the only one there. And some big guy, about two times bigger than him, and Jordan's pretty tall. He's pretty big. But I'm talking two times wider and two times bigger. Hit him, and I heard bones crack. And when that happened, Jordan was okay. I mean, it was awful. You know, whatever it was, it was head or something. It was something really bad. I heard a body part crack or something. When that happened, all the life left my body, and I just about passed out in the stands, and I couldn't stand. 
I was falling. I was falling. And I didn't know why I was passing out because Jordan got hit. And so I was stuck to the floor, basically, and Jordan ran up to the bleachers after the game and he picked me up. He's a, he's a great kid. He picked me up and he hauled me up five flights of step. He not, not in his arms like this. I was walking, but he was dragging his mother up five flights of steps. And he took me to a store, got me a Gatorade, and I felt better. And he, and he read and quoted this verse to me when I got home. He sat on the couch. I don't know where anybody else was. I just know that this was about me and Jordan at the time. It was the first, it was the first sign that something was wrong. Like, I thought I had a really bad physical condition. So he sat on the couch and he read this to me. Isaiah 40, 10. Fear not, for I'm with you. He's praying in tongues. Jordan's like, he didn't know what was happening with his mother. He didn't know why his mom couldn't walk. He didn't know why I was having heart palpitations. I said, I think I'm having a heart attack. He's like, I, I don't know if you are. I can't breathe, Jordan. He said, just sit down. And he started, and I started praying in tongues. And then all of a sudden, out of his mouth came these words, Isaiah 40:10, And it was like God was speaking to me, 41:10. my bad. Fear not. For I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Jordan's word was, I'm holding your right hand. I'm holding your right hand with my righteous right hand. Amen. And so those words just calmed me down, and I felt a lot better. Later that night, what I was having was a severe panic attack. And I did not know that. Later that night, I just about passed out, fell on the floor. I didn't know. I was thinking nothing. I was thinking, I was thinking about the day on what happened. Why did that happen? And then I fell on the floor again. They called, there happened to be an ENT down our street. He came in. He's like, he take all my vital signs. You're fine. Everything's okay. I'm like, no, everything is not okay. My heart is beating 500 miles a minute. I'm having a heart attack. He's like, no, you're not. You look good. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. He's like, put your head in a paper sack. I'm like, what? So he shoves my head in a paper sack. He just says, trust me and believe me and just stick your head in the sack and breathe. And the minute I did, I felt better again. I'm like, that's amazing, brown paper sack, you know? That was the start of what was happening on the pileup of all these things that was on top of me. And I hadn't realized that I kept these tabs open for years and this kept coming back to me. And it was, it was like worry. It says it's something that you are focusing on, you're giving way to anxiety or unease, you're allowing your mind to continually dwell on difficulty and troubles. So fast forward, actually, it just got worse. You know, <laughs> I'll just say that. I went through a period of time where I thought, I don't know, I need to go to the hospital. To make this not so long, over a course of probably six months, I had the EMT out to my house nine times because... When you have a panic attack, you can suffer some very severe symptoms. Mm -hmm. You can feel like you're dying. You, your heart is like doing all kinds of weird stuff. My left arm went totally numb. My back went totally numb. My legs fell to the floor. I'm like, oh my God, I have a serious disease. And it was awful. 
And so each time I'd get afraid and I'd call them out and they'd come over, they'd roll up and go, yeah-da-da-da-da, they'd hook me up, your blood pressure's perfect, your heartbeat's just a little bit elevated but not so bad, and all these things they would do to me. They'd put all the stuff on me and they're like, you're okay, but do you want to go to the hospital? I'm like, well, no, not if I'm okay. I'm like, I'm not okay. My left arm is numb. I can't feel it. He's like, yeah, but your vital signs tell you you're okay. And so at that time, I started having headaches, really bad headaches that never would go away. So now there's things popping in my head and there's pain. And now it, it's so bad that I had to go take myself to an MRI to see if I was having a brain aneurysm. So everything is a major sickness and that's kind of how panic attacks you know you just and and when you when you think and worry so long one little negative thought can trip it and it got so bad for me that if i thought about what was i going to cook for dinner i would faint and fall on the floor normally that's a normal stress stressful for me since i'm no betty crocker <laughs> No, no, I'm saying you <laughs> No. Usually you can deal usually you can deal with a thought. This is what am I gonna cook for breakfast? What am I gonna you know <laughs> what am I gonna buy at Publix? But I had one thought, what am I gonna make for dinner? And I fainted and fell to the floor. I'm like, okay, well, that's not gonna work. Call the ambulance again. Why am I fading? Because I'm almost blacking out each time. I'm just almost blacking out. So that was a very horrible situation. So finally, um, after the EMT came out at least five times, I'm like, okay, well, maybe I'm not really sick, but I finally did a little research. Instead of me researching symptoms, I finally you know, looked up panic disorders and stuff like that. I'm like, oh, I'm having all this. That's probably really what's happening because everybody keeps telling me I'm fine. Mm -hmm. so, so fast forward into this, I finally, I said, Lord, you got to have to send me somebody to help me with the physical side of this, and I'm going to get on the spiritual side. And so he sent me a great nutritionist doctor, and she said, ah, you're a minister's wife, aren't you? Yes, I am. And then I She's like, well, I have a book for you. It's called Adrenal Fatigue, mm -hmm. you know, and it was all about panic disorders and, and anxiety, and, and so that was kind of on the road to my healing there. The, the bad thing about reading Adrenal Fatigue is that I probably passed out almost about 10 times while I was reading the book because they tell all the stories of things that people were doing, right? And then at the end of the book, you know, because they had helpful things, but two stories I remember in this book is about what they did with rats, and so with adrenal fatigue or panic disorders or panic anxiety attacks, it affects your adrenals, which is this little organ in the, in the middle of your back. It's just this little organ, but it's a very important organ. And so in this organ is, is hormones and chemicals and adrenaline. And so every time, like if, you're, if you've got really a bad guy coming after you, you, you get this spike and it gives you energy. Your adrenals release hormones and chemicals and adrenaline, and it helps you just do super human things and powerful and you can just run it's called fight or flight you're either gonna fight 
You're, you're, you know, you need more oxygen, your heart's stuck. You're either going to fight them or you're going to run. And so, but if you do continually worry over stuff, those, that adrenaline is released in your system over and over and over and over and over on a continual basis until it runs out. And so when you have a stressful thought or someone's to chase you, you faint, you pass out, you fall to the floor because you have no more fight and flight. It's gone. It's been used up. So with the, the, the person that wanted to commit suicide for over eight years, with the cars blowing up, with the bad decision, with the house, with all of these things, with the church splitting, it was constant. So I, it kept releasing these chemicals in my body. And then all of a sudden, I couldn't deal with everyday life. And so it was an awful situation to be in. So finally, I found myself in bed. I was bed fast. Okay, maybe about three months. Basically, I would sleep and be in bed. Well, I never slept because you kind of lose sleep. You can't sleep. You're just so wired, and so then that makes it worse. So it's really a, a catch-22. But I would lay in bed all week just so I could get up and come to church. And then the band, some of the men, would help me on stage and sit me on the piano stool. As long I didn't want the devil to steal that from me. Don't let the devil talk you out of coming to church and loving God and serving God, as, even if you do it a little bit. My mother, a couple weeks, brought me in the back, and I sat and at least came to church. Finally decided I'm not going to let the devil steal the gift. Because the Lord gave me the verse in Ephesians 2.10. You are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works that you should walk in them. And when he gave me that verse, I saw myself walking again and not bedfast. He said, I've created you to do good works so that you should walk. And that word just jumped off the page of the Bible. He said, you're going to get up and walk again. Now act like it. So the men would carry me up on stage. They'd sit me on the piano stool. And as long as I was worshiping Jesus and thinking about the songs I was singing, I was okay. But the minute I had a break, like when the pastor does greeting or an offering, the minute I allowed my mind or a thought would come to my mind, what if I fall off the stool in front of all these people? Because I knew what was happening at home. I was falling at home. I was fainting at home. What if I did it in church? Well, guess what? I started to fall off the stool in the middle of church. And finally, I just was able to run, and someone helped me off the stage, and I went to my room, and I just laid down the rest of the service because it was too much for me to handle. All the energy had left me. So, so what happened is that there's a trigger that happens. When you worry, fret not. The Bible said, it only causes harm. It only causes harm. So one day I was laying in bed, and um, the Lord, actually, I'm going to back up th this home that we were in before we moved into the cabin. We were waiting for it to be built. And so not only happening that, people were really stealing our money in the cabin, so lots of different things happening. But we were in this house, and... Um, one night, the, the boys went off shopping for some shoes for Jordan. And I was laying in the bed. I couldn't do anything else, and I started praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm like, well, my head hurts. No pills are relieving the pain. And I can't get up, so I might as well just pray in the Holy Spirit. And Satan told me, you're not even saved. 
you are so messed up physically that God's not even happy with you anymore, you're probably going to hell. So that fear was causing me to faint in my bed. <laughs> it was awful. It was really awful. So I'm like, you know what? Even if I'm going to hell, I think I'll still pray in tongues. So I started praying in tongues. I will never let anyone convince me that praying in tongues is not glorious. And boy, when he says he helps you, he helps you. When you don't know what to say, when you don't know what to pray, just pray in the Holy Ghost. Let the Spirit of God pray the things you need and don't worry about everything else going on in your mind. And when I started to pray in the Holy Ghost, the Lord spoke to me. Wow! He said, because this was really bothering me, I, thought, I really thought I was going to hell. So he said, how do you know about the devil? I said, how do I know about the devil? I know about the devil through your word. That is how I know about your devil. I mean, the, the, not your devil, the devil. That's how I know about the devil. You, you wrote about him. Genesis and through Isaiah, Ezekiel, you wrote about the devil. Job, that's how I know about the devil, through the Bible. Yeah. He said, exactly. So if you know about the devil through my word, then you also know John 3.16 that says, for I so loved you, right? that I gave my only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So if you're going to believe the devil part, which I put in my word, that that's how you know about him, then why don't you believe John 3.16? Boy, I jumped off that bed. It was crazy. I had so much energy. I got so happy after praying in the Holy Ghost. And when God, it was like he talked to me audibly, I jumped out of the bed. I'm like, woo, hallelujah, hallelujah, glory. I started yelling and nobody was home. Uh, whatever that rolling oaks place we were in. And I just shouted, and I had so much energy and strength, and then I got tired again and went back to bed. So, but the thing is, is that God helped me all along the way. And so then we moved in the cabin. I'm starting to get a little bit better, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm not, don't have a lot of energy left yet, but I'm starting to make progress. And I'm starting not to sleep so much, but... I had some things that the lady helped me with naturally, but I'm telling you what right now, that if you get help naturally, it will never totally cure you if you don't do something with your thinking and if you don't take God at his word. It will not. It, everything that happens inside you will negate the natural thing that you're working on. It just pushes it back out. It'll help you a little bit, but what really helps you is the word of God. So move forward into Paisley, into the cabin, and um, again, I start worrying about this individual because they were doing some things that looked like they were about to die. So I had to go to the mental health institution in the state that I was in to, to try to be with them. It was, it was awful. So had started having the dreams again. I kind of backed up, right? Kind of two steps forward, now two steps backward. And so here one morning I woke up and the Lord said to me, he said, Philippians 4, 4 through 8 is not a suggestion. It is a commandment from me. So let's go to it. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. I don't know if this is helping you, but it's helping me. Philippians 4, 4 through 8. It is not fun to feel like you're dying every day and you're not dying. I mean, I don't want to die. 
because <laughs> I never died before. <laughs> I didn't know what that felt like. So uh, we'll read this in a minute, but I remember at the Rolling Oaks house, I was feeling really bad one day again, and my husband came home from work. He was working on the house, and he was all dirty, and I'd had a really bad day. My head was hurting. It was just shrieking, hurting. I couldn't get the headache to go away, and so he walks in the room. Again, the devil's on me going, you've just disobeyed God so much, you're too far past. You're never going to make it back out of this. And uh, truth is, is you are going to die. And you'll probably go to heaven now, because I got over that fear, right? You're going to go to heaven, but you're not, it's going to really hurt. It's, it, you're gonna, it's going to hurt to die. It's going to hurt to die. And I was just so scared of dying, because I'd never died before. And I didn't know what it felt like. And for most people in the world, dying doesn't look like a pleasant experience. Because I've been to many hospitals and I've prayed for many people. And there have been few people that I've seen die peacefully. But I know they're out there. But I didn't see them. So, so here I am in the dying syndrome again. And my husband walks in and he says, Problem with you? Not good afternoon, honey. Good to see you. I've been away all day. Love you. Whatever. The first thing he does, walks in the master bedroom and says, looks one look at me and he says, the problem with you is that you need to get over the fear of dying. I'm like, well, hello to you too, you know? I'm like, you don't need to be so rough to me. But what he said was right. Didn't like the way he said it, but what he said was right. He says, you got to get over the fear of dying. And I'm like, well, that's easier said than done. I've never died before, you know. And so I laid there and I said, you know what? Didn't like the way he said it, but he's right. I need to get over the fear of dying. So I laid in my bed and I started imagining myself getting to see my elder brother, Jesus. He's my brother. All of a sudden, a revelation of, he's my brother. He loves me. He's going to greet me when I go into heaven. I'm going to get to hang out with Jesus. I got so excited, it filled me with energy, and I was able to get up and make a sandwich. That was huge for me. That was huge. But what I'm saying is that God was helping me. All along the way, God was helping me. Like I said, I didn't like the way he said it, but what he said was right. And when I got excited about seeing Jesus, I didn't care whether I died or lived. I was just so happy to see Jesus. And then it strengthened me to get out of bed and go cook a sandwich of some sort. Okay. So then move forward to the cabin. I'm laying in bed, have those visions or dreams again that are bad dreams about this person laying in a coffin. And then all of a sudden, God wakes me up in the morning. It's like he's sitting on my chest. And he says, Philippians 4, 4 through 8 is not a suggestion. It is a commandment. I said, all right, I'm going to go to it. I open my Bible by my bedside. Rejoice in the Lord always. He stopped me right there. He said to me, he said, if this person dies, are you going to praise me? I don't want this person to die. This is not how this story is supposed to end. He said, but will you rejoice in me for what I did for you? If they do die? Wow. I had to lay there. I didn't answer him right away. I said, but I don't want them to die. He says, I know. But you, if, until you get your hands off the situation, 
neither can I help you or them. I can't help you or them because you're being God. You're, you're their Savior. Yeah, you're the only one they talk to. But you're not me. And you can't fix this alone. So are you, he's asking me again, are you going to rejoice if they die and if they kill themselves? Oh, that was tough. And I said, I cried. And I said, yes, I will. And I started rejoicing through my tears. I just, I, I was crying. I was like, I'm going to rejoice if they die. I'm going to rejoice in you because you're my Lord, they're not, and I'm not their God. And so then he said, now you can read further. He wouldn't let me go on. Be anxious, let your gentleness be known to all men. Your forbearance, that means to look over peoples. You have the right to, to uh, forbearance. And like the legal term is like, if you owe me rent, I forbear that. I look over the fact legally I have the right to come in and force you to pay me rent. But forbearance means I'm looking over that. You legally owe me, but you know what? I'm going to look over it and give you five more days. That's what forbearance means, gentleness. Let your gentleness, your forbearance, look over people's faults. Look over them. Yeah, they're not doing right. Look over the faults. Be gentle, right? And then it says this, be anxious for nothing. But he didn't stop there. He didn't say, just don't worry about it. If so-and-so dies, don't worry about it. Be anxious for nothing. No. He said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer. And how do you pray when you don't know how to pray? In the Holy Ghost. By prayer and supplication. With what? With thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which passes all of that understanding mess in your mind, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. He said, don't worry about anything, but bring it all to me in prayer. So then he moved me to 1 Peter 5, 7. Okay? He says, until you take your hands off this situation, I can't help you or them. I'm like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm listening to you because I'm tired of being in this bed. <laughs> 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Boy, I'm going to read you a definition that's going to light your fire. Hopefully it will. <laughs> Casting all your care. You know what? If you don't know this definition, that word care doesn't mean a lot to you. Casting all your, Amplified says, casting all your anxieties, your cares, your worries, once and for all. Sometimes you have to keep recasting because they keep trying to come back. But the truth is, is the word care means this, the provision. I love that word provision. The provision for what's necessary for the health, the welfare, the maintenance, and the protection of someone or something. So he said, he told me, look up the word care, because it didn't mean anything to me at that point. He said, look it up. So then when I prayed, I said, okay, I cast, I throw the provision for what's necessary for the health, the welfare, the maintenance, and the protection of this person onto you. For you provide for what's necessary for my health, welfare, maintenance, and protection of me. Right? So when I read it that way, I'm like, all right. In other words, the synonym was to put it in someone else's supervision, to put it in someone's custody. I put the care of this person in God's custody. Man, if God has you in custody, what am I worried about? Right? 
It's easier said than done. But you have to exercise this sometimes on a daily basis. This was the turning point for me for more strength and more energy. I had to quote this Bible verse 50 zillion times a day. 50 zillion. Because one little, one little, one little negative thought would have me reeling on the floor. And I got tired of falling on the floor. So then he said, once you've done that, and you're going to do it over and over for a while, but once you've done it, then you're going to give me glory throughout the house. Start giving me glory because the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. It means I camp right in the midst of your praises. I set up my presence right in the midst. He's enthroned. He sets up his throne right in the midst of your praises. So I would go, praise you, Lord. I'd start like this. Praise you, Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. You're good. I put them in your custody. I put this in your custody. I put this in your soup. Hallelujah. Glory. And the more I said it, the more I said it, glory to God, the glory of God would fall. It'd fall on my house and I'd feel stronger and I'd feel better. I'm like, oh, this is the answer. The glory of God to praise him. What it started doing is it started, uh, started re- reconfiguring the brain waves, the brain paths of what was, had happened in my brain. There were times that when I came out in public to talk to someone like Matt, it was like this thing would strike me like, you're not going to be able to stand for long in front of him. And I would fall down. And so I was afraid to go out in public because just, just a conversation with you would create anxiety. There's no reason for that to happen. I'm not that type of person. I'm a confident person. I know who I'm in Christ. But when I come out in front of people, I go, can I stand before them? And then I wouldn't stand. I would fall. So the thing is, is that it's a very horrible situation to go through. And you think you're dying of a gazillion different diseases. And I'll go back to the book. When I started reading Adrenal Fatigue, they said they took rats. And... And the rats are out running around, and they let the cat out of the cage. And the rats would run, fight and flight. They would run and hide in the little hole, you know, like Sylvester the cat, you know. And they would hide, and they all would go to safety quickly. Then, this was in the book, then they took the adrenals, the little organ, it's about this big, out of their back of the rats, of the mice. And so... The mice are all out playing. Everything's calm and peaceful. And then they let the cat out of the cage. And they all tried to run and hide. And they all fainted, passed out, and died. Well, when I read that, I thought I was going to die. <laughs> it was awful. And, and so that was a rough story. But they were trying to prove a point that this is really important. So I finally had a test done. My nutritionist, she said, okay, we're going to do this. We're going to help you in some natural things, get you all back up to optimum levels because you are out of balance. So she did this test on me, a saliva test. She says, we're going to test what your adrenals are functioning at. A normal, healthy person's adrenals are normally around 4.4 during the day. And then at night, it might go down to 3 or two and a half at worst case scenario. You go to sleep, and as you're sleeping, it's rejuvenating you, and by 7 a.m., it rises to about 3.8 to 4.0 to help you get out of bed in the morning and go to work. Well, my adrenals in the morning 
when I woke up, listen to this, were at 0 0.04. It was really bad. It was really bad. And I thought, wow, I'm at 0.04. I don't know if I have a chance, you know. But, you know, God was faithful. He's like, don't worry about those numbers. And he gave me scriptures. He said, I'm the strength of your life. And he showed me a picture of every time I said that verse, that his energy in me, because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in me, and he quickens and makes alive my mortal body. And God made that so alive. He said, don't worry about the stats right now. Just think about the Holy Spirit. You're the body. the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's in you. He's moving around your body. Say that scripture, and he'll start quickening your mortal body. And every time you read the scripture, the Lord is the strength of my life, I want you to read it like this. The Lord is the strengthener of every cell in my body and getting everything back into order. So God talked to me. I spent a lot of time praying because I was in bed a lot. And so I'm going to tell you a great dream. You want to hear a dream? So I'm telling you I'm being open with you because I know you go through things. And I know people, you know, the doctors didn't have an answer for me. Many traditional doctors do not even, do not even recognize CFS chronic fatigue syndrome or adrenal fatigue. They will give you adrenaline shots if it's bad. But once the adrenaline shots wear off, what are you going to do? Live by a needle the rest of your life? I didn't want to do that. My sister-in-law had adrenaline shots. And when they were all over, she, she was back in the same position again. She had to get on the word like I did. And so, did you know that, honey? Yeah. She had the same thing, but she went to the hospital and they pumped her full of adrenaline. Yeah, it was awful. <laughs> so, so God gave me two dreams during that time. I don't dream a lot about things about God. I mean, they're dreams that you just like, you know, you know that you know that God gave you this dream. So he gives me this dream one night, and I'm in Paisley, I'm in the cabin, and he gives me this dream, and all of a sudden I'm out in my side yard, and we live next to the forest. I'm out in my side. No, first of all, I'm in a classroom. And I walk into the classroom with a bunch of kids. I'm older. I'm this age. But the kids are young. And I walk into this classroom, and there's this woman sitting at the desk. And she's this old teacher. I mean, really old, with this gray hair and a big bun on her head. But she, you know she's strong, but she's kind, but she's stern. So it's all that mixed in one. And all the kids, including me, came up and put an apple on her desk. And, and they all said, good morning, teacher. And I'm sitting there like, and this is really weird. And then all of a sudden, the classroom faded away, and it was just me and her. And she took me out on my property, the side of our carport, and it was just me and her in the black night. And out of the woods came demons, and they started coming towards me and her. And they surrounded us in a circle. And they started to make, and they were demons. They were awful. They started to make their way towards me. They were after me, not her. They started to close in the circle, make their way toward me. And all of a sudden, she turned into this superpower woman. And she's like, just like this. She's in the middle, and she grabbed me. Let me, Emily, come. I want to show what it looks like. You're young, and you're OK, and I can move you around. <laughs> so I'm the old lady, right? And so I'm just standing there and watching these demons come toward me, and she turns me around just like this and she grabs me here just like this back to back and she faces 
And she goes around the circle. She's like, in the name of Jesus. In the I didn't do nothing. I'm just holding on because she's got my hand around my belly. She says, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name. And she drew every, thank you, that was great. She drew, she drove every demon away from me. Everyone faded back into the woods as we swirled and swirled. And she had our arm and she did all the work because I was too weak. And everyone disappeared. She protected me. She was my hero. She had God eyes. I mean, her eyes were like gray steel blue and fire came out of them. It's like she was Jesus in the eyes of this old head. It was weird. But she got rid of all the demons. And then she turned around and she pointed her little bony finger at me and looked me in the eyes. And she said, now grow up. I knew what that meant. I knew what that meant. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna live forever off, off my husband's faith. Yeah. I'm not gonna live. There's some things. There's. I've had successes in my life up to that point, believing God. But I needed to grow a lot further. I needed to go a lot further. And she looked at me and said, "Now grow up." And she wasn't mean, but she was firm. She's like, "You know what to do." That's really what she was saying. You know what to do. And I started getting in my Bible, and I said, if that's the last thing I'm going to do, I'm going to grow up. I'm going to know my Bible. If I have to sit here and read all day, because I can't get out of bed, that's when God talked to me. And then a couple months later, this situation was getting better with this person. It was easing. And when I started praising and worshiping God, and I gave it to God, this person started to stable stabilize you know what i mean started to stabilize wasn't perfect but started to stabilize so not the constant threat of death and suicide i'm going to kill myself and actually doing things that weren't good to himself so so all that started to stabilize and then three months later down the road i had another uh, you know some other things were starting to happen again and move and it was more in a church situation it was more a church situation where people were starting to rise up again against us and I had a dream. And in the dream, anybody seen Star Wars? Probably back in the day, y'all saw the old Star Wars with Luke. And there was a Star Wars, and it, it was a sand Star Wars, where they went to a sand planet or something. But in my dream, I don't know the name of that Star Wars, whether it was one, two, or three, or whatever, but they went to a sand. So in my dream, my husband and I were on this sand planet, but it was white sand. And we were talking, it was totally white, so it wasn't snow, but it was sand. We were talking to this man, and it looked like this man was a good man, and we were trying to hold a conversation with him. It was him and me both. And at this time, my husband had, had already had been to the hospital twice with heart failure. He was, he was at .25 trying to recover himself. So he had his own issues. He's got devil trying to kill me, devil trying to kill him. He was having some major issues that were high on the rector scale. And so now he comes in my dream. He's a part of this dream because it has to do with him and his physical condition. And so we're talking to this man and this man, we're, the, two, the three of us are trying to have a conversation. And we been, begin to have a conversation, don't know what the conversation was about. And all of a sudden, right beside, up comes from the sand, a, like a snow monster, like a sand monster. He's just all white, but he's hairy, and he's a sand monster. And he gets in, and he starts, come on, Emily, come back up. 
Maybe I should do Justin on this one. But the sand monster just keeps doing this, just kind of keeps hitting, just kind of keeps hitting, just kind of keeps hitting, you know? And I can't really concentrate, right, on what's going on. And then we try to talk some more, and then three sand monsters come up. There's three of them just hitting us. Now they start hitting my husband. You can sit down because I don't want to do what the other one did. And then all of a sudden they start hitting my husband. They just start hitting. They get more violent, start hitting, hitting, and now we can't hear anything. We can't hear anything. We can't do anything. And finally, the last one came up, huge sand monster, came up in between the man and my husband and I, and he floored us both on the ground, and he sat on our chest. He was so big, he just pushed us into the ground, and neither one of us could breathe. Now, at that time, he was having a hard time breathing. His heart wasn't functioning well. So I knew that that was about him. Most of it was about him. And so the Lord spoke to me in the dream. That's it? That's it? You're going to let him sit on you like that? And I'm like, no! And in Jesus' name, get off me! And that monster just disappeared in thin air, and I jumped up, and I cursed everything there. Even the man was bad because he was the owner of the sand monsters. And what I forgot to tell you was that during while they were bumping us and pushing us around before they sat on us, is they, the man said, oh, that's okay. It's just little monsters. It's what they do. It's just what they do. And it was constant. Don't worry about that. It's just what they do. And Satan, that's what he says. Don't worry about that. It's just what I do. It's just what I do. And then when they sat on us and we couldn't breathe, God said, really? You're going to let that happen? And I said, in Jesus' name. And everything started settling down at the house. Everything, beautifully. So I'm, I'm telling you this testimony is because in your darkest, deepest hour, when God speaks to you, but you've got to give him an avenue to speak to you. Pray in tongues. Call out to him. Don't just seek natural help. You need to call out to Jesus. He's the one that made you. He's the one that knows how you function. He's the one that really knows what's going on. He's the one that wants to transform you. And don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to make adjustments along the way. Because along the way, he told me, I want you to adjust this. I want you to adjust that in your attitude, in your life. Don't do this anymore. Don't say this anymore. And when you get so close to Jesus and you start praying the Holy Ghost and you spend lots of hours with him, I mean, it's nothing for him to go right here. But he doesn't give it to you all at once. It's one little bit at a time. And he'll say, make the adjustment. He said, Proverbs 4.20. Go ahead and put that on the screen, Shante. This is what he showed me, Proverbs 4.20. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. My son, give attention to my words. Incline thine ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Do you have the next verse? For they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. And so what the Lord told me, he said, not just scriptures on healing, not just scripts on faith, not just your favorite Bible time scriptures bring health and healing to you. He said, all my words, 
all my words. So if he's asking you to make an adjustment here, that word and that adjustment that he's speaking to your heart will bring life to your whole flesh, spirit, spirit, soul, and body. It might be love. It might be I need to forgive somebody. Right? It might mean you need to confess your faults to one another. You don't confess your faults to everybody, but if you've done something to someone and they kind of know that you've done it and you're kind of sweeping it under the rug, you need to go confess that fault to them. And not on the basis that they'll be okay and go, I'm so glad and now everything's good. Everything may not be good on their end. They may not forgive you. But if you'll obey God and confess that fault, make that adjustment, do it, then you're off the hook. No more poison dumping in you. No more poison dumping in you. And just to FYI, stress, if it's prolonged sadness, prolonged stress, prolonged periods of unrest that you don't let your body rest, you will end up in panic attack mode. It's just the way it is. You were never meant to keep dumping adrenaline into your body 24-7. So you have to deal. You don't just have to go to bed and go to sleep. You need to deal with rest in your mind. You need to teach your mind how to rest. And the number one way you teach your mind how to rest is you pray in the Holy Ghost and put your brain on autopilot and you just start worshiping God. And you get scriptures that mean something to you. You get scriptures, and like God made scriptures alive to me. And so I said them over and over, and they brought rest to my soul, which invariably brought rest to my body again, where I could start sleeping. Amen? Amen. So I think that's all I want to say. Praise the Lord. Did I read everything? Uh, I think I did. I will, I will say this. God did an absolute awesome thing during this time for me. Um, this was about the sixth time that the EMT showed up. And it was at the old house before we moved into the cabin. I don't think I had laughed in probably five years. And uh, Dr. Colbert said, I was sent to Dr. Colbert, and he said to me, you need, to, you need like 20 good belly laughs and sit in front of a Red Skelton video, which I think is totally boring, but find a funny video that you like and laugh and laugh and laugh. And he's like, you're probably a pastor's wife, aren't you? I said, yes. He said, well, I see a lot of pastor's wives. And, uh, you know, he says, because they just overwork. They work and work and they take the burden of the people. And I didn't realize I was doing it. I was taking the burden of everybody that left, taking the burden of everybody that said something wrong to me or my husband. I forgave them, but I still took the sadness of it. I wasn't angry at them. But everything that happened to us, everything bad that was done, I took the sorrow of it. But I wasn't mad at them, but the sorrow messed up my body. And so during that time, I will say this, just God used Justin in such a crazy way. The EMT came into my house. I was having another panic attack. Thought I was having a heart attack. Everything was going numb. My tongue was turning yellow. That's weird. And it was dry, like a dry mouth. So I had read online one time that, you know, you had diabetes when that happened. I'm like, oh, my God, now I have diabetes. You know, it was always something that I had, and I never had anything. But it was weird stuff happening to me. 
So they come in, they do all my vital signs. They're like, ma'am, your vital signs are great. And I'm like, what about my, look at my tongue, it's yellow. He's like, did you eat something yellow? I'm like, no, my tongue is yellow and I have a dry mouth. Do I have diabetes? He's like, let me do your sugar. Oh, your sugar looks great. I'm like, whatever. He's like, do you want to go to the hospital? I'm like, I guess not. But so they come in the front door and here's what happened. They talk to Justin. I'm in the bedroom. Nobody is home but me and Justin. And they say to Justin, and Justin's getting cereal out of the cabinet. He's pouring milk in a cereal bowl, and he plops down. Because I hear him. I don't see him. I hear him. And he's sitting at the table. He says, come on in. He's like greeting him like a church member. He's like, come on in. Come on back. I mean, very, very nonchalant, very frolicky. Hey, come on in. Yeah, my mom's in the back room. He's like, they're like, do you know what's wrong with your mom? He's like, I don't know, but she's going to be all right. Guys, and, it happens every week. Oh, it happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he said, oh, it happens all the time. She's going to be all right. And they're like, really? So they go back there, and, and everything pans out right. And, of course, I was like, what in the world is he talking about? But after they left, that statement that he made to them, it's like it didn't bother him a bit. My mom's going to be okay. I'm eating cereal. He didn't miss a breath. He's like, yeah, it happens every week. Clonk, clonk, clonk. Go ahead. Do whatever you need to do. She'll be fine. He said, she'll be fine. Yeah. And those words, when they closed the door, they resonated in my heart. And I saw the picture of him slopping Cheerios, <laughs> telling him, come on in, happens every week, she'll be fine. And the Holy Ghost hit me, and I thought it was so funny. I laughed for a solid hour, uncontrollably, because my son said, she'll be fine. And I was fine. He didn't know it, but he was prophesying. Yeah. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's give the Lord praise. Amen. Trina told us she needed to um, share her testimony, and, and I want to add a little bit to it. We get up here on Sunday and Wednesday, and we preach the word to you, and I want you to learn that a lot of what we're teaching you, we live. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to add to her story. Amen. When we built the cabin, you don't build cabins in Florida. Don't ever build one. <laughs> And the people that built the cabin did not do know what they were doing. So in the middle of all of this stress, which I did tell them, we ran out of money yeah. because the economy changed, and now we need a quarter of a million dollars just just to finish the house, which we don't have. So now during that time we had a hurricane, and we had already had the washing machine flood and trash out. How, much, how many square feet was upstairs? 1,500. 1,500 square feet of oak flooring that we had to tear up, redo. And then the, flat, the washing machine flooded again. Yeah. Did it twice. Had to do it again. <laughs> then a hurricane came and every wall in the house leaked. Yep. We're laying in bed at night, going through all this hell, and our house, an $800,000 house, is leaking. <laughs> and, and we're laying in bed going, what the heck? <laughs> what else is going to happen? You know, the devil tries to kill her, tries to kill me. Justin's car blew up. Josh's car blew up. Wash machine floods, destroys the floor. Now hurricane's destroying the house. Yep. And we ain't got any money and the church is not doing good. Yep. 
And you all go, Pastor, you don't really understand what we've gone through. <laughs> oh, we you know, understand. You don't know nothing about yeah. what you're talking about. And we're going, to heck we don't. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you something Lisa didn't tell you. Right about the end of that, her and I made a, uh, an agreement. Because the stress had gotten so bad that I'm at the house working all day. She's in the other house sleeping. And we got to where we were starting to fight. I know y'all don't believe that. <laughs> About a lot of stuff. Yeah. And finally one day I looked at her and I said, are you tired of being broke? She said, I am. I said, are you tired of being sick? She said, I am. I said, starting today, we fight no more. Amen. Amen. And we stopped. Yep. Fighting. Amen. Because if you're having problems with the devil and you're inviting him. Yes. Amen. Amen. Now you understand it's, you know, it's easy to preach it. Oh, dear God, it's not easy to live it. <laughs> but we went through so much, we had to have our prayers answered. They've got to get answered because the doctor had given me a year to live. Yeah. Now that's adding to her adrenal today. Well, I think he's fixing to die. Yep. I can't even climb the steps to get in the upstairs. Yeah. And then we'd come to church and the people at church get ugly with us. Y'all don't even believe that. Because they were doing things and, and I don't think I handled some of it right because I called a few of them a big fat baby and told them shut up. <laughs> but the stress at home was so bad we didn't need it. We didn't need it everywhere else. But her and I got in a covenant with one another and said, we fight no more. Amen. And I mean, I can tell you with the exception of her getting mad at me a couple of times. <laughs> Not really, I'm teasing. We've basically stopped fighting. We don't raise our voice at each other. We don't argue. We don't fuss. But we, we, we stood there and looked at one another and said, when you're talking, I will listen. Amen. And when I'm talking, you will listen. Amen. And then we will talk. And we did it. And that was the beginning of everything turning. No strife. Yeah. No division. Amen. We're going to pray in the Holy Ghost. And I mean the things God started doing. Amen. That was when the man that owned the shopping center, we didn't know he had a bank. And he loaned us the money to finish the house, sell the house, paid cash for the one we're in, and God began to turn everything around. Yes. Amen. But I mean we had to get right. Amen. Amen. Lisa had to quit worrying. I had to quit being angry. Amen. And we had to quit fighting. Amen. Amen. And I'm going to tell you something. It works. Don't let the, if the, if the devil's in your house, you let him in. Mm-hmm. 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 And I know there was a lot of changes made. And a lot of people say, well, God did that to teach you. Oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> the devil did it to kill us. Yeah. Amen. But the Holy Ghost helped us. And I wake up four o'clock in the morning, just lay there and pray in tongues. So what else am I going to do? I don't know nothing. I'm just just praying in the Holy Ghost. Amen. And I mean, we watched God. So when you're hearing us preach stuff, we actually know what we're talking about. Yeah, we didn't get it from a little book. We, we didn't get it from a book. Our life. <laughs> there were so many bad things happened that year. It was impossible for it not to be the devil. Any one of them would have been bad. All at once, she didn't tell you we got kicked out of the house we were living in. 
Then they wanted to sue us because I didn't water the grass right and put the right fertilizer down. I mean, I could tell you for hours <laughs> all of the stupid little things that were going on all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'm going, are you serious? And a bear, bear won't let Jordan get to school in the morning, and we got bear problems, and we got neighbor problems, <laughs> we and we got. <laughs> and you're sitting there going, you almost you got to laugh and go, that's crazy. <laughs> but she's well today. Amen. I'm back to, to normal. Amen. I didn't die. That was 10 years ago, right? That, that was. I was supposed to live a year. Yeah, I didn't like that. I decided not to participate. But Lisa would go in there, and a couple of times, and I'm, I'm, I'm taking her time a little bit, but a couple of times I went in my room, and it says, Heavenly Father, I want to come home. Well, she could hear what I'm praying. And so a couple of times she walked in there and go, you ain't going anywhere. <laughs> I said, I'm checking out. She goes, no, you're not. Because um, I just decided, you know what? This isn't worth this. So that actually was 13 years ago, and the doctor gave him one year to live. One year. So he's lived way so past one year. So while she's going year. through all of that, she didn't tell you the part about the fact that her own husband is not doing well. Well, you were out. I did tell him. I, uh, yeah, I was out working. No, you were out in the youth oh, room. Oh, half dead. You know, you oh, were in the youth room. No, I was in the youth room. I went over there and watched what. But anyway, I'm telling you all that because I wanted to encourage you. When we get up here and start talking about praying in the spirit and worshiping God, when we bring people like Mark in and we say, "Have a," we're not up here to run offs. That's practice. Because for you're your going to, whole life, listen, you're going to need. You're going to need it. When all hell's breaking loose, you might have to jump and holler and shout a little bit at home. So we got to where we were just having Holy Ghost fits. And I mean, it was laughable because w there was no feelings. <laughs> there was no money. There was no feelings. There was nothing but God. And so yeah, she told you the story. I think I heard about it. She came in and said, I'm going to die. And I said, well, just got to get over fear of, being die fear of dying. Well, I ma it made her mad. <laughs> you don't care who I said, well, you're afraid of dying. You're going to die. I love you too. <laughs> and she, had to, she had to get over the fear of dying it's in true. order to live. It's true. That's true. Yeah, that's Amen. I didn't want her to leave. Right, right. I like her. <laughs> that day, I didn't think you liked Did me. Did y'all enjoy this tonight? Amen. Yeah, I know that she wanted to share. Yeah, give her a big hand. I know she wanted to share this. And she needed to at some point. You don't want to do this while you're going through it. Yeah. But to show you that the, what we're preaching, it works. This works. Yes. But we live like this now. We wake up in the morning, have our coffee, pray in the Holy Ghost, read the Bible, minister just before we ever leave the house in the morning. I mean, we open this before we do anything. You know, we so start. I, I got to tell you this, and you know, there's still works in progress going on in our lives, right? And in our families and in our friends and things like that. But this person I was telling you about that kept wanting to kill themselves, later on, couple years later, they say, you know what? I remember a time when you were going through some really hard stuff, some really bad stuff. You were really sick. And they were like, why were you so sick? And I wanted to say, you were one of the reasons. But I restrained myself. And I said, I actually, the Lord said, tell them the truth, but be kind. Don't be so detailed. 
I said, well, there's a lot of things going on, but I will tell you that one of the things was that um, you were concerning me about the way you were acting and some decisions that you were making that were kind of scary. So I didn't get into the whole coffin and the dreams and you're trying to kill yourself. I didn't want to go there, but they were doing better. And uh, I said, you concerned me some. And I was just having this conversation with them. And you know what they said to me? It just floored me. They said, just so normal, so perfect. Oh, you don't need to worry about me. God's jerked the slack out of my chain. I'm like, wow. I don't know when that happened, but I'm glad it happened. <laughs> Amen? God let me hear that for me. You know, so praise God. Well, let's pray. So, Heavenly Father, I just pray over this congregation, and I, I just plead the blood of Jesus over every mind, over every body, over every person in the, within the sound of my voice and that's listening online. Thank you for the people online. I just plead the blood of Jesus over them too. And I'm asking that hopefully that tonight you will make this real to them, the parts that they needed to hear, that you will impress them and stamp them and sear them to their heart so that it will come back to them that in their time of great need and in their time of need, that they will cry out to you, that they'll have the right verse at the right time, that they'll pray in the Holy Ghost, and they will seek you with all their heart because you are truly our life. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Now say this with me. I will live and not die and declare the glory of God. Amen. You are dismissed. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big give now button or you can text 407-955-5345 and remember our pastor's vision is this we grow christians so we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time